Good morning, everyone. Um, it is an honor to be here this morning and have the opportunity to preach. As Pastor Dennis mentioned, um, the church and uh, the deacons and the staff uh, want to be able to train um, young leaders to, to serve in ministry. And I'm so thankful that y'all have been willing and, and welcoming for us to do this, whether it's Cole or myself preaching or Jonathan and Corey leading in worship. Y'all are always um, wanting us to serve in ministry. Pastor Dennis also mentioned that I was supposed to preach in July, but got COVID. And so Nathan had to, to preach in my stead. And I think he did a really wonderful job um, with a super difficult passage, uh, that of the cows of Bashan. <laughs> I was not faking sick, I can tell you that. I wasn't trying to get out of it. But what you may not know is I actually almost had to call Nathan again this week and say that I was sick. No, I wasn't trying to get out of it, but my wife, Jess, actually ended up getting sick over the Thanksgiving holiday. And she developed a cough, a runny nose, a fever, and what we ended up finding out was strep throat. And I ended up taking care of her over this last week. And I was concerned that I was gonna, was gonna get it, but thankfully I didn't. And I think that's all the Lord's provision and guidance there. Um, that he was protecting me so that Nathan didn't have to fill again like I didn't want to preach. I'm glad that I didn't get sick and that Jess was able to recover. Her victory over this sickness came from a combination of rest, medication, and like 10 boxes of tissues. I've never seen so many tissues used in my life. Now we've all been sick at some point in our lives and know that it is not fun. We want to get over the sickness as quickly as possible. Sometimes it's not that big of an issue. We go about life as normal, but there are other times like with what Jess experienced where she had to do something different. She had to turn to something else. And so she turned to that rest and medication. She actually used a couple different types of medication to help her get over the sickness. And she'd take the medication every two, four or 12 hours, depending upon what the bottle said. All medication, that we take has some sort of directions on when and how you should take it. Jess's most difficult medication that she had to take was the Dayquil. It was, in her words, really nasty, gross, and made her, or made her throat burn as she took it down. She was sitting there just trying to like work herself up to get it into her mouth and down. But she, she did it every time because she knew that she needed to obey the command made those directions so that she could get over the sickness. Today, um, we're going to be looking at a passage about how to obey God's directions or his commandments, and in faith that we will be able to walk in victory in Christ. We're going to be looking at 1 John 5, 1 through 5. So if you can turn there in your Bibles. Um, this passage actually comes at the tail end of where we looked or where we were last week with Pastor Dennis. It's honestly kind of a transitional passage. The, John talks about love in this passage, but he also talks about faith, which is where he's going towards next. And so as I was reading and studying this passage, I, I thought, Pastor Dennis, why, why didn't you just put this into what you did last week? But as I was studying, I learned that there was an important message here in this transitional passage. 
And I think that's true of how God teaches us. He teaches us through transitions in our lives. And so we're gonna be looking at this passage today and to give us a little context of, of where we're at. And um, we're gonna read in, uh, start in verse 20 of chapter four. So if you'll read with me there, it says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. This is how we know that we love God's children, when we love God and obey his commands. For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. And his commands are not a burden because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. Who is the one who conquers the world, but the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. Here, John tells us about various aspects that Christians must have. And he goes in further detail with these. Verse one actually gives us two of these aspects in quick succession. The first is that of faith. It talks about um, in verse one, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. The faith that he is stressing here is faith in Christ. There's many different aspects to faith, but the reason why John is focusing on Jesus being Christ is because there's a heresy that has popped up in the congregation that he's writing to that believes that Jesus is not who he said he was, is not the Christ. Elsewhere and earlier in the book, John has mentioned and, and brought this point up. And so again, this is a, a kind of a, a summary, but he's reminding them that Jesus is the Christ. Our faith in him is a result of God's work in us. And so we know that being a Christian is confirmed through our faith in Christ. We cannot do it apart from him. There's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves. God must do this. So how do we know that we are children of God? if we have faith in Christ. After a quick but powerful sentence on faith, John follows it up with one on love. The second characteristic of Christ, of, of a Christian, is one that we've talked much about already. In fact, that's what our study is named after, the Lord of light and love. And again, the passage that we just looked at last week dealt with love. And then the he sandwiches faith in between love. He talks about love in the previous verse, faith, and then love right after. Love and faith are interwoven together. You cannot have faith apart from love. <clears throat> One of the commentators that I read um, summed it up this way. He said, the road to love is paved with faith. So the two are inseparable for both are vital aspects of a believer. But going further about love, there are two inseparable uh, components to it. And that is the love of a Christian 
must love God and must love his children. The family of God is exactly that, a family. Those born of God are our brothers and sisters and we should love them. We see this in our earthly families, right? When we love our siblings, we are showing true love and honor to our parents. If there is an issue that we have, if there's a time where we can't truly love our our brothers and sisters, then that reflects our love with our parents because they want a healthy family unit and that's what God desires. When I was thinking about this, it made me think of a TV show called Kitchen Nightmares. I don't know if you've ever heard of of this show. It's an old reality TV show with Gordon Ramsay where he comes in to failing restaurants, assesses what's going on, whether it's the food, the management style, the, the owners, customer service, whatever it is, he takes a look at it, assesses what's going on, and then gives solutions. Oftentimes these restaurants that he's dealing with are family run and family owned restaurants. And so there's a lot of dynamics at play here because it's not just an owner dealing with his staff, it's, it's an owner dealing with his family. And in one of those episodes, he goes to a restaurant where a dad has purchased a restaurant and is running a restaurant so that one day he can give it to his children and his children help run the restaurant. But as a part of that, they are struggling because the restaurant isn't going well. What I think the food was bad, the customer service was bad. And then that, that created this tension between the brother and the sister to the point where the sister couldn't even stand being in the restaurant at this, as the same time as her brother. And that tremendously hurt the dad. He wanted this restaurant to be able to be both his brother or his son and his daughters. And so the, the main thing that, that Gordon Ramsay focused on there was to heal that relationship between the brother and the sister and ultimately the dad. Because the sister could not stand the way that the dad was treating her brother and that she thought that he was in the right and she didn't like that. And so the dad did not feel loved and respected and honored. And that is the same way with us. When we do not love our brothers and sisters, God does not feel our love. Our love for our brothers and sisters is an extension of our love for God. We absolutely cannot love him without loving his children because they are an extension of him. Again, I mentioned that we are family. Earlier this week, I read an essay by one of my favorite authors, and it was about his son who played in a little league baseball tournament in the, in the 80s. And the dad or the, the author talked about how one of the games, it was very neck and neck until like the second to last inning. And there was a, a, one of the guys that got hurt on their team and then it just switched the momentum and they had a devastating loss. It was like nine to two. And they went back into the dugout and they were upset. They were frustrated. They were mad at each other. And the coach sat them down and he told them, you are a team. That means you love each other. You love each other, win or lose, 
because you are a team. And when I read that, I thought that immediately connects to our passage here today. We are a family. We love each other. We love each other, win or lose, good times, bad times, because we are a family. Our love for our brothers and sisters is an extension of our love for God. Verse two emphasizes this even further by saying that how do we know we love God's children? By loving God. It's kind of a circular argument or a circular concept there that to love God, we have to love our siblings, the children of God. To love our children, the children of God, we have to love God. They go hand in hand. Yet this is not the only way that believers are able to know that they love his children. For obedience to God's commands is a crucial component as well. John dives deeper into what love for God is and can be summed up by saying, obeying his commands is an extension of our love for God. And it's also evidence for love for his children. Obedience is that third aspect, that third characteristic of what marks a believer. This is evidenced throughout the gospels. And in fact, um, in John 14, 15, Jesus says that if you love me, you will keep my commands. Then several verses later, he says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Obedience to his commands flows out of love for him. Now, this is something that I can easier, more easily understand as an adult. When I think about when I was a kid or, or a couple years ago, I saw a post that, that someone had posted on Facebook talking about how when they were younger, they used to be really upset when their parents wanted them to do a whole bunch of chores and then their parents were mad when they didn't do those chores. Well, now I get why the, their parents were upset. I don't have any kids of my own at this point, but I know that after a long, hard day of work, I don't wanna come home and necessarily do the dishes, clean the rooms, pick up after, after Jess or, or our dogs more specifically, because that's probably what it is. And so I'm tired, I'm exhausted. I worked really hard. And my parents, when I was younger, they would have this list of chores for me. It was again, empty the dishwasher, yard work, easy stuff about an hour, maybe an hour and a half tops. But I didn't want to do that. It was, my, it was my break. I was home from school. I wanted to relax. I wanted to watch movies, play video games. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And so I didn't do those chores. And my parents would come home and they would see that I hadn't done those and they would be upset and frustrated because obedience is an extension of our love and so when I wasn't obeying my parents, when I wasn't doing those chores, they weren't feeling the love and honor and respect. Now, we think about obedience. Obedience can sometimes be easy, can sometimes be hard. The things that my parents were asking me to do weren't tremendously hard. Again, two hours at the most. 
there are other times and other laws that we, we may know that, that we think is a burden on us, but we don't really, but it isn't really a burden. For instance, how many of us in here consistently drive five miles or so over the speed limit? We tell ourselves that five miles isn't bad. It's not hurting anyone. Other people are driving faster and I don't wanna obey the speed limit. And so you ignore it and you think it's okay. But what happens when you're driving down the highway and there's a police car that's entering the highway? I bet your foot presses very gently on that, on that brake to slow down, but you don't wanna to be too obvious. You don't want that police car to know, <laughs> right? I bet your hands go to 10 and two and you think, don't pull me over, don't pull me over right? That law, that speed limit becomes, becomes much easier to obey when that police car is there. It becomes no longer a burden. Now, in that instance, you're really doing it out of not getting in trouble. You're not really doing that out of love. But we know that as Christians, as it says here, his commands are not a burden. Matthew mentioned it earlier and, and um, a passage where Jesus says in Matthew that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. We have his power, his presence and his spirit with us. God is always there. That police car is always there with God. Now, God is not actively looking for us to be in trouble. That's not what God is there for but he wants us to be able to live a victorious life. And even more so, those laws, the commandments that God has is not there to control us, to censor us, to contain us. They are there for our protection. And then um, we, we see that obedience and love are actually connected to each other. Jesus is asked by the Pharisees in Matthew about what the two greatest commandments are or what the greatest commandment is. And Jesus responds by saying, love God and love others. That is the point of the commands. It's not to control us, not to keep us down. It's not a list of don'ts. It's simply a list of love. Love him and love his children. For those estranged from God or on the outside looking in, this feels like a burden because they don't understand, they don't get it. But for those of us who are children of God, who have his power and his spirit in us, we know that these truly are a burden we are able to overcome the world with his spirit that empowers us. Now, uh, in verse four, um, it talks about this is the victory that has conquered the world. The, the world is, is this concept of the evil sin and sinful values, desires and actions that those who live apart from God have. The, earlier in the book, John talks about how the world is the lust of the eyes, 
the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. The world follows its own selfish desires, whereas Christians follow the desires of God. Furthermore, for those born of him, we have overcome the world. And in verse five, John declares that a victorious life is only possible because of Jesus. Jesus's life, death, and resurrection has given us direct access to and a relationship with the Father. We are able to conquer the world because Christ has. In fact, the use of conquer here probably reminds the readers that John is writing to, to the audience, of what Jesus said in John 16, 33. Jesus declares, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Again, our victory stems from his. A victorious life is only possible because of Jesus. Now, simply understanding this fact is not how we are able to experience this victory. John stresses that faith in Jesus is what is needed. And here we kind of come full circle with the passage. We started at the beginning, faith in Christ. We end with faith in Christ. He's stressing the importance that, of, that faith plays in the life of a believer. John also uses another name for Jesus here. He talks about, uh, he says um, that Jesus is the son of God. Now, these two words go together. These, these two names of Christ um, go together. But, but the point that John is specifically trying to get out here by using son of God is that Jesus is uniquely qualified to have victory over the world and to be able to give it to us. Again, it's only possible because of Jesus. That is a huge thing to recognize that no matter what we try to do or say, we cannot achieve victory without Jesus. He has the final victory over the world and we have his power in us to overcome, to conquer the world. Now, I do wanna mention that our current victory is not the final victory. Biblical scholars recognize that we live in the already, not yet. And if you were in growth group this morning, we talked about that. Essentially, this refers to how Christians experience every spiritual blessing, but they don't experience them in their fullness. Related to this passage, we have victory over the world, but we do not experience the final victory until Christ returns. One day there will be no evil, no sin, and no temptation. While we do not live in that time, it is coming. Until then, we must, as Christians, live a life full of love, faith, and obedience. For these are the aspects of a believer that are interwoven together and result in a victorious life. The victorious life is only attainable for Christians because of Jesus. 
Now, the interconnectedness of these three aspects makes me think about what I did over the last six months. At the beginning of November, I ran the New York City Marathon with my dad and brother. <laughs> Thank you. Now, some of you in here might not be whistling. You might be questioning my sanity on why I decided to run 26.2 miles. And around mile 22, I was questioning my own sanity as well. <laughs> Nevertheless, I think that it serves as a great example of the way that these aspects come together and, and help us achieve victory. Firstly, that of love. I love running. I love doing that type of workout more than any other type of workout. I can't stand lifting weights. I don't like other types of cardio. I just wanna run. Put me out there, I'll, I'll run, and it'll be great, it'll be fun. And that is actually what has made me want to run a marathon. I, I remember my parents telling me about when I was younger and how uh, I would run around the playground. I wouldn't play on the playground, I would run around the playground. And so because of my love of running, I decided that I wanted to run a marathon. I, I thought that would be really cool. But the love of running doesn't mean that you get to go and run a marathon. You have to have to train. People don't just tend to get up one morning and say, I'm gonna go run 26.2 miles, unless you're Forrest Gump and then you just run across the country. So when dad and I decided to run a marathon, my brother had run many marathons before, so he, it was easy for him. When we had decided to run a marathon, we made a six month training plan that we believed was gonna be able to prepare us enough to be able to do that marathon. We had faith in that plan that it would carry us through. But simply believing that faith or believing that plan and having faith in that plan would only go so far. We actually had to implement that plan and obey that plan. We had to put time in, miles in. And it was hard and it was difficult. There were times where we would run 10 miles on a Wednesday and then 20 miles on that Saturday. It took a lot of time and devotion. But without the rigid obedience to the plan, I would not be prepared enough to finish the marathon. And eventually it came to race day a couple weeks ago. And in a little under five hours and 20 minutes, I was able to finish the New York City Marathon. But as cool and wonderful as my victory over the marathon was, it doesn't even come close to how truly amazing the victorious life that we have in Christ is. Our current life, our current victorious life, and the one to come when we have final victory. If you are a believer, remember how wonderful it will be when we die and we have that final victory. But we're still on this earth. There's still things that we are struggling through. And as Matthew and the team come up and we sing a time of response or sing a song of response, take heart 
and be encouraged. The world is going to try to pull you away. He's going, Satan and the evil powers are going to try to tempt you. But because of what Christ has done and through faith, love, and obedience, you are able to overcome the world. When you step out of those doors, be encouraged and rest in that fact and live a life full of faith, love, and obedience. For anyone who has not put those things into Christ, I encourage you to do so. You may think that you can do life without him. People have tried many times and they may have succeeded by the worldly eyes. But if you listen and read stories, they are left unsatisfied and unfulfilled. The victories that they had, even climbing Mount Everest, the the grandest thing that you could do that leaves people wanting. The victory that we have in Christ satisfies because we have conquered the world because of him. So please, during this time of response, surrender your life, your love, your faith and obedience to Christ so that you can experience a relationship with him and have true lasting victory. You've been listening to a Sunday morning message from our services here at First Baptist Watauga. Our family's mission is to exalt the Savior, equip the saints, and evangelize the lost. If you want to know more about First Baptist Watauga or need to reach out to us for prayer, go to fbcwatauga.org and let us know. In all things, to God be the glory, honor, and praise.